Coming up today on In The News. Did you vote October 19th? Turns out a lot of Canadians did. As well, we will be looking at Prime Minister-elect Justin Trudeau's busy first week. Thank you once again for joining us on episode 5. I am Kayla Gielman and Brady Knight is sitting across from me. Good to be back, good to be back and what a week. What a week for sure. It's been a while since we've been here but wow a lot has happened. Yes and um, we are dedicating this episode to post-election in reaction to episode 4 which was all pre-election. It was and uh I, th- I think a lot of people were surprised about the way things turned out, um, but it was it was really interesting. I know a lot of people were paying very close attention on mm-hmm. October 19th when the results were coming in that night, even people that weren't normally geared into it, n- weren't normally paying that much attention were checking in. I was texting a few different people and they were like, hey, did you hear what was happening? And it, it was really good to see. Well, election uh, night was also competing against the Blue Jays game. So even that, they still uh, right still got no. some attention. It was it was really good to see. And uh, kind of the first thing we were going to talk about today was just that was kind of the engagement, more specifically the voter turnout. Voter turnout was amazing. Um, a record since uh, 93. Yeah, this year nationally, it was 68%. Uh, we did better than that in Saskatchewan. Overall in Saskatchewan, it was 72. Uh, Regina was 73 and Saskatoon was 74, specifically. So, Saskatchewan, give yourself a pat on the back. And, you know, it, it was really good to see. Yeah. And I, I think as much as these numbers, you know, they can always be improved. It's great to see when they do steadily work their way up and higher like in 2011 nationally there was just a 61 percent turnout a lot of ridings across canada were much lower than that so it was it was great to see that and i think for me it was even when i went to vote which was at about three in the afternoon it wasn't super busy or anything but it was just a really steady stream of people coming in there wasn't long waits there wasn't long lineups but there were so many people coming out and taking part and and people of all ages I saw one girl who, it must have been her first election, Uh, she looked like she had just turned 18, and she was coming out with her grandpa to vote, and they were both waiting in line. There was a couple of women in their late 30s, early 40s, who were right ahead of me to register, who had uh, come out together to vote. And there was young families coming in, there was older couples coming in, and it was just really great to see everybody come out and exercise their democratic right. But this was this was a special election because this was an election that everyone was really voicing um really strongly um making their voice known that people wanted change. They wanted change from what we've had for the past almost 10 years. Although yes, uh don't get me wrong, there are definitely people out there that still would have been happy with having the um, traditional conservative government that we had had. Yeah. Newsflash, if you didn't know, we have a majority liberal government now. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, I think that was one of the driving factors is that there were so many people that really wanted to see a change in government. So what do you do? You go out and you vote. And that's what, well, 68% of Canada did. They went out and voted. Although I agree, I think that number still needs to be higher. But I don't know what else you can do, really, to get that number higher. I think, honestly, the one thing that would change it would be 
changing the electoral system. Yeah. But the chances of that happening, like as much as, like we are one of only, correct me if I'm wrong, three countries in the world that still use what's called the first past the post voting system, meaning whoever gets the most votes wins, which on its surface, yeah, makes perfect sense. But it's why you can get majority governments that have 34% of the popular vote across Canada. And that's the case for this election. And, and even in this one, it's, it's well, it's not quite that bad. Uh, Trudeau came out with uh, 39%. It was, if you round it up, it's almost 40% of the mm -hmm. popular vote across Canada. Uh, the Conservatives had 32% this time around, NDP 19 uh, so even with that, not everybody um, was exactly leaning the same way. And you can see how the results at the very end, the seats in the House of Commons, don't always line up with what people are voting for at the polls. No. And it and the hard part, too, is, is that there's a lot of really good local MPs that maybe you, you want that MP to be in, oh, exactly. but they're not in the same party that would get you the prime minister that you wanted. So like, you know, take for um, local, for example, I, I can't remember the names of all the MPs around here, but maybe there was an MP, a conservative MP that I liked that I would have rather him be elected, but I wanted to go have an NDP government, um, federal government. You can't do that. No. If you want your NDP liberal government, you have to vote for that NDP liberal MP and maybe you don't like that person so it's a very confusing system and a very flawed system I think that it, it, it should be changed and I, I hope it we do maybe see a change to it it should be I'm I don't know I'm, I'm always a pessimist and uh, <laughs> come on Brady, and where's the cup half full <laughs> maybe I just can't I just can't see it happening because of course it means that the party that was elected on a first past the post system has to change the electoral system that got them elected which a lot of parties probably wouldn't do. Um, it would also mean the fact that you're looking at substantial changes to government which are very hard to push through. So it'll be interesting to see if it ever does come up. Uh, I don't think it's going to come up right away, but uh, yeah, it is definitely something that would be nice to change at some we've point whether it actually before, happens baby. we've been surprised before we have we have and hey another surprise uh about voter turnout the first nations vote yeah incredible it was and uh there were several reports uh across the prairies especially uh, i know for sure in alberta and manitoba and also possibly northern saskatchewan of polls that were actually running out of ballots and what they ended up doing was photocopying blank ballots in order to uh, allow everybody who wanted to vote to vote. Traditionally, some of these areas were only seeing like a 40% voter turnout. Very low. And so, of course, Elections Canada, when they're making up the packages to send out to each individual polling station, wouldn't include ballots for everybody because it would just be a waste of paper, waste of resources. But they were running out of ballots because that segment of the population was coming out in such high numbers and uh hey it also resulted in i believe it's a record 10 aboriginal yeah MPs? i was i was reading earlier that there it's it is a record then there are 10 aboriginal mps that have been elected in this year's election which is fantastic to see because obviously the aboriginal um, population needs more representatives 
Oh, exactly. It was, it was completely disproportional. And while there's still obviously some ways to go, it's uh, it's great to see in a great Maybe start. Maybe this will be a momentum then for um, four years down the road for the next election. Maybe that number will start rising and people are starting to realize that, hey, my vote does actually mean something. If they can go out and vote, I can go out and vote. Maybe that number will start rising. Thanks for sticking around. So Trudeau has had a busy first week. Yeah, like, I mean, it's obviously going to be busy no matter what, but he has kept himself going and has kept the announcements coming <laughs> and really it's been a non-stop wave of new information really, coming out yeah and this was just like he just got elected monday night he hasn't even been technically like sworn in yeah there we go sworn into parliament that doesn't happen until november 4th right so already though he's still just prime minister elect and in five days he has done so much yeah, he's had uh, at least one transition meeting with Harper. I'm assuming a lot of the staffers behind the scenes have been having a lot more to figure out how all that's going to go. Uh, but beyond that, he's already been mentioning a lot of things, uh, including, of course, the upcoming UN Climate Change Conference. And I think this is one of his um, biggest ones so far. Um, so in uh, at the end of the month, there's going to be the United Nations Summit in Paris for climate change. Right. And um, as I'm sure much of us are aware, Canada hasn't been doing its part and hasn't been doing very well when it comes to climate change and um, and the whole world. So this is really kind of a breath of fresh air that he has invited Green Party leader Elizabeth May to join him in Paris. He has. He has also invited all the premiers who are not in um, federal elections for the fall to come if they want. Um, and it's also sounding like he intends to, hasn't yet, but intends to invite NDP leader Tom Mulcair, whoever is going to be the conservative leader because Stephen Harper um, passively stepped down from the party. Right. And uh, he say about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was also going to invite uh, some experts as well to yeah, some come environmentalists well. and some non-government organizations right. and stuff. So he's been very inclusive when it comes to and very serious about climate change and about this uh, conference that's coming up. So that's one one big thing that yeah. he's done. Yeah, and I mean, beyond inviting them, like he's been talking strategy with the premiers as well. He's jumped into the role basically. Full on, this is something he needed to prepare for, and he's for been doing it. For someone who's uh, not quite ready for being uh, prime minister, he's really taken it seriously. Also, the National Press Theater was yeah. put into use in great. Ottawa, which is, of course, the place where the national press uh, would normally have news conferences with the prime minister and, and other officials as well. Uh, Harper, uh, during his entire tenure there, spoke at that location a total of three times uh that was all before 2008 <laughs> so it's been a long time coming been, what, and seven it, years if my math is correct since he stepped foot in that theater it's it's been a while and so one interesting thing was when he was trudeau finished the conference was turning around and leaving a couple of media were like hey wait are we gonna see you back here now that you've actually been elected and he said, and we'll see if it actually comes true, 
I'll be back. So it'll be interesting to see how things go. Um, I know there are plenty of skeptics out there as well, and the first week, well, probably not the easiest, is going to be easier than what's to come, mm-hmm. uh, come for him. But it'll be interesting to see if this continuous wave of uh, action continues over the next little while. So we've been uh, talking a lot about what he, what Trudeau has been doing for his first week. Right. But what also is something worthwhile to mention is how he's been acting. He is very different from the um, 10 years we've had under a Harper government in the way he presents himself to uh, to the public. And I would even argue it's different than the way Tom Mulcair was portraying himself yeah. on the campaign trail or even Elizabeth May. And, of course, all leaders have their own personality, their own way of doing things. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I would almost say that uh, Trudeau over this last week is really showing his maturity. And it's actually coming through. He really is. And this should be a big kind of slap in the face to the conservative campaign that's been happening, that happened um, during the 78 days about him not being ready. But when you look at him now... He is ready. He really is. And trying to undermine him that that the conservatives were doing just didn't work. And I think there's there's two things I would say to that. Um, number one, do want to give some credit to Harper for inviting Trudeau to the wreath laying ceremony. That at, was really uh, nice to see at the, uh, the one National year War Memorial. Yeah. Of course, the one year anniversary passing this past week of uh, Corporal Nathan Cirillo being shot and killed. Um, obviously, a very sad day across Canada, and that was very classy that uh, Justin Trudeau was invited and took part in that as well. Um, I think it's also uh, important to bring up the fact that Trudeau's still going to have a lot of work to do mm-hmm. Um it going is only forward, the first week. it is only the first week, and he did only get thirty nine percent of the popular vote. The Conservatives still got thirty one percent of the popular vote. Correct that thirty two percent across the country, and uh, I think there's a lot of people uh, who are, especially going right now, very uncertain about the way things are going forward. But I think what's um, what for me something that is really standing out is take a look at. On um, on Tuesday, the day after he got elected into Parliament, he was out walking the streets in the I think the subway or something like that. Yeah, in the Montreal pictures, area. Yeah, taking pictures um, and selfies with uh, just your average Joe walking the streets, and I've I've never seen something like that before. Like seeing our future Prime Minister out interacting with the public like that and then just and just being a real guy and i think that if he can keep that up uh a lot of the naysayers right now will start to at least show some degree of respect and i I think that's kind of what the key comes down to because for me it was about people going out and voting on election day i honestly didn't care who you voted for just as long as you went out and took part in the election and it all just comes down to okay this is what we have now let's show some respect to each other and move forward for the next four years 
So the week before Canadians went to the polls, post-media newspapers across the country, along with other independently owned papers, of which there aren't very many anymore, uh, came out with, as usual, endorsements. Uh, this is something newspapers have been doing for quite a while, um, basically writing an editorial uh, composed by the editorial board of the newspaper about who they think should be the next prime minister, or if it's a provincial election, who should be the next premier, that sort of thing. And basically, post-media mandated all of its newspapers across the country to endorse the conservatives. Front page endorsement. And so these were published. Uh, I read a couple of them in a couple different cities. It basically was the same message, slightly tailored towards each city. But, uh, I don't know, Kaylee, in this day and age, do newspapers still need to be endorsing people? They should never have been endorsing people in the first place. That is not a journalist's job. I was so angry when I saw this come across Facebook. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm looking at a leader post page and obviously yes, post leader post is through post media, so it's not like the leader post did this on its own. They right. were told to do it. They didn't have a choice unless you want to lose well, your job basically. Pretty much what it would have come down to. So not hating on leader post, but was super unimpressed seeing this that there's I don't I just I can't even really put it together. <laughs> I just I got so worked up over this. I'm like we are not the people to be telling you who you should and shouldn't be voting for and who should be our prime minister. No. I can do that in my personal time, yeah. But as when I am a journalist at a job, when I'm supposed to be giving non-biased news information to the reader so that they can make an educated vote for who should be running this country, it is not the newspaper, whatever... Um, whatever type of journalist that you're going through, it is not their job to be telling you who you should and shouldn't vote for. And if the paper has been doing its job throughout the election campaign and covering the parties and covering the issues and talking to the candidates, there should already be more than enough information for you to make up your mind just based on that. I just, I, w I was so shocked. Like, I honestly was so shocked. I, um, I didn't pay close enough attention in the previous election in 2011. Right to even notice that this was happening. Nor did I even realize that this was a common thing that happened throughout the years of elections. It's a very common thing. Uh, the Globe and Mail also endorsed, uh, came out with their endorsement. They endorsed the Conservatives, but not Stephen Harper. Uh, this is a very non-conventional endorsement, I guess yes, you could it's say. pretty funny. Um, if you want to see some of the aftermath of that on Twitter, you can check out the hashtag OtherGlobe Endorsements, uh, which... Provide some nice entertainment it's, anyways. It's worthwhile checking out. <laughs> um, but even then, they're they're endorsing a political party. I just, like, what, do they get bought out? Did the conservatives, did Harper buy them out to, to do something like this? It makes me wonder what is going on behind closed doors. However, there is a light at the end of the tunnel of all of this endorsement uh, business, Gosh, we'll say. There is. I need to calm down. So... Uh, the Winnipeg Free Press, uh, which is independently owned, uh, it's not part of a national chain, they came out with an, endor an endorsement as well. They endorsed voting. That's different. Not a party, they just yeah. endorsed voting. Now, this was an uh, editorial board decision that was come to actually, I believe, during the last uh, uh, municipal elections in Winnipeg. 
and uh, they chose not to endorse anybody for that. And that's kind of been their policy going forward is they're not endorsing any candidates or parties. They're simply saying, get out and vote. And, and that's how it should. I, I understand that. And I'm OK with that because it's not wrecking the integrity of journalism. Well, exactly. Media, you wrecked the integrity of journalism. And I hope you understand that. And I wish more people would take that free press approach to things and just encourage people to get out and vote and take part in the system. Whether you think the system is broken or not, you've got to work with what you've got. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to change it if you don't try to work with what you've got. <laughs> and it's just so important to actually get out and do it that after that whole post-media thing over the weekend, it was really a breath of fresh air to see the free press just say, hey, get out and, go vote. out and vote. All right, time for Hot or Not. Kaylee, who's hot this week? Okay, my hot goes out to all of you Canadians that voted Monday night. Yes, round of applause, pat on the back, do whatever you need to do. It was really nice to see that we had a record um, since 93 of, um, of a 68% national tone, uh, turnout for voting. It's good because you know what? I always live by this rule. If you don't go out and vote, don't bitch about our government. And on the... (laughs) (laughs) Birdie's trying to contain himself right now. Come on, didn't your mom always tell you that? Pretty much. (laughs) And on the flip side, who is not? Oh, you really want me to dive into this? Um, Okay. So I think in our first or second episode... It was over I, the summer. Yeah, I mentioned that I uh, my bike got stolen. Right. First my bike seat, and then they came back apparently to finish the rest of the job. I don't know why they just didn't do it all at once. My bike got stolen. And on Thursday afternoon, I was in the back of our apartment. My chain is cut, and my second bike has now been stolen. Gone. Oh my god. I um actually you know what? I didn't really know how to react this time because it wasn't the first time. It was right. the second time in less than 6 months that I've had now that two bikes have been stolen and I thought I live in an I live in the south end. I didn't think it was that bad of an area that stuff like this is happening. Something you weren't expecting. No, but it really got me thinking that I'm like, you know what? I feel sorry for whoever came and stole my bike because obviously your life must be that difficult that hard you must be going through something that I guess you do you do deserve that bike more than I do but don't steal it you know what and uh, you got a bit of a loss for words I am I am because I'm just kind of like I I really do the second time I don't know how to react to it because yeah, you, um, and I, I just, I want you to know, like, whoever did that, it does hurt. Like, it actually really hurt me. And it, you know, feel a little kind of, like, privacy violation kind of thing. Like, someone came in and stole a personal belonging to me that I really, really liked. And it actually meant something to me because it was bought because of the first instant. And you took away something that I really enjoy I have happy memories on my bike because I love biking. And you took that away from me. So I feel sorry for you that your life is that hard that you have to do something like that. 
that's my not. Brady, mm. your turn. My not for this week, Subway. Oh, no, I love Subway. Subway, I, and I, I hate to say this because I love Subway too. So this past week came out, uh, Subway did, and they said that they are going to aim to have all of their meat antibiotic free. Uh, it's going to happen over the next five years or so. Obviously, the largest restaurant chain in the entire world, it's going to take a while for their uh, yeah. supply chain to pick it all up. Here's the problem with that. And of course, full disclosure, I grew up on a farm, farm kid. That's that's my way of life, and I still go back there every single chance that I get. If you have a sick kid who has an ear infection, what are you going to do, Kaylee? Um, well, if I did have kids, right, I would give right. them, I would go to the doctor and I would probably be getting antibiotics. Exactly. And you would give them to them and they would normally under normal circumstances help fight away the, yeah. uh, the infection and they would get better. Yeah. That is how farmers use antibiotics <laughs> to treat sick animals, to treat their cattle, to treat their sheep, their pork, their pigs whatever they happen to be farming it's the same deal you're taking care of sick animals and what other choice do you have like as one person on facebook put it rather bluntly but it seems as though subway is like either saying hey these animals should be left to suffer or they should be taken and shot because you're not going to let them suffer through that sort of thing and it just sort of blows my mind that that's the way that Subway is choosing to go on this. Um, there's rules in place. There's explicit instructions on the uh, can of antibiotics that you get that say that this animal cannot be slaughtered however many days after that this uh, medicine is used on them. There's federal regulations as well put in place that prevent the slaughter of animals until every trace of antibiotics has worked its way out of the system mm -hmm. of that animal. It is federally legislated. It's right, legislated in the United States. It is legislated here in Canada. And there's these rules put in place. And I just absolutely cannot believe that Subway has joined uh, this fear-mongering campaign of so many large companies, among them the likes of A&W, and uh, exploiting consumers because they don't have any idea how farms normally work. I think, and that's a good point to raise because that, you know, when he first told me about this, I'm like, oh, okay, well, what's so bad about not having meat that's filled with antibiotics and stuff like that? But then once you actually explain it and understand, comparing like to a sick child, it's not nothing wrong. And, and you know, there are all the legislative that's put in place to prevent someone from eating a piece of meat that is filled with antibiotics. An education needs to happen. Well, and that's just the thing. And people don't have that information. They're not normally getting that information. So they're getting their information from these ads, which are inherently saying that antibiotics are this absolutely horrible thing that are apparently in your meat, which they're not. So my advice, go talk to a farmer. <laughs> Anyways, on the hot side this week, Really have to give a big thumbs up to election Canada, uh, Elections Canada officials. Yeah. Um, I know there were some problems across the country, but at my polling station that I went to, and I talked to a few different people who went to others as well who had the same uh, sort of experience, so great. They were informative. They knew what they were doing. Um, of course, I had just recently moved, uh, and they were very accommodating with that. They knew 
where I had to go. They knew what they had to do, and they were friendly, welcoming, and just all around a great crew. It was just great to see so many great people helping out on Election Day. So that basically does it for this week. Yeah, we have finished our basically post-election episode, and minus we, a couple rants. Exactly, and <laughs> hey, we, we promise we'll get back to uh, some of the other news happening in the world next time around, but I, I think it was really important uh, these last couple episodes to focus on the election and uh, obviously a huge event in Canada over the last, the last three months or so. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know what? Let us know what you thought about the election. Are you happy? Are you not happy? Did you expect this or are you surprised kind of how we were surprised? Um, We're on Facebook. We're also on iTunes. You can search on iTunes podcast for In the News and you can subscribe to us there. We're also on Twitter. You can respond to us as well on there. Um, At Brady Knight One and at Kay Gelman for me. Yeah, and of course, you can always find us online in the newsyqr.blogspot.ca. Thank you for everyone for sticking around listening to us, and we will see you for the next episode.